It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The people have spoken. Democrat Raphael Warnock wins the Senate runoff race in Georgia. Two of Donald Trump's companies are convicted in a criminal tax fraud trial. And Morgan Stanley is the latest company to slash jobs. New York Mayor Eric Adams welcomes new top appointees in his administration. Plus, an iconic New York City comedy club will close its doors. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashower in sports. A shutout win for the Devils. The Islanders lost. Met and Yankee free agent pitchers are moving on. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. It's 6.01 on Wall Street. And we check the markets all day here at Bloomberg Radio. Right now, S&P futures down eight points or two-tenths of a percent. Dow futures down 38 or one-tenth of a percent. And NASDAQ futures down 34 points or three-tenths of a percent. The DAX in Germany is down a third of a percent right now. The 10-year Treasury down one thirty-second, yield 3.53 percent. Amy. Karen, we'll have more on the markets in just a minute. But first, Democrats have won control of the Senate after a victory in Georgia's runoff election. Incumbent Democrat Raphael Warnock defeated Republican challenger Herschel Walker 51.4 percent to 48.6 percent. Whether you voted for me or not, that every single day I am going to keep working for you. Walker has conceded to Warnock, encouraging his supporters to stay engaged in politics. I'm not going to make any excuses now because we put up one heck of a fight. And I said, that's what that's what we got to do, because this is much bigger. This is much bigger than Herschel Walker. The win for Warnock means Democrats have a 51 to 49 Senate majority. There will be divided government, however, Republicans having narrowly gained House control. Well, Amy, with Warnock's decisive victory, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger defended the integrity of this race, calling it honest and fair. You remember Raffensperger was pressured by former President Trump after the 2020 election. We want everyone to know that your vote counts. It's going to be safe. It's going to be secure. It's going to be accurate. And we're going to actually audit this race. We're going to do a risk limiting audit of this race so we can verify the voters. Here's what the results were on the machines. Here's what they are after we did the hand count audit. Secretary of State Raffensperger spoke with our Washington correspondent, Joe Matthew, who's on the ground in Georgia. Catch his show sound on weeknights at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. 
And Karen, it was not a good day for Donald Trump. He was a prominent backer of Herschel Walker. And at the same time, there's news the former president suffered another defeat in court. We get the story from Bloomberg's Ed Baxter. Donald Trump's company has been found guilty of engaging in tax fraud for more than a decade. Now, this is the first time a Trump business has been convicted of criminal conduct. Executives, including Alan Weiselberg, convicted of evading taxes on company-paid perks, including free apartments and luxury cars. The conviction may make it harder for the Trump companies to do business. Trump himself was not charged. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. We'll have more reaction on the political news coming up in a few minutes. But first, let's turn to Wall Street, where the view on the economy is getting gloomy. Now Morgan Stanley is cutting jobs. We get the details live with Bloomberg Steve Rappaport. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Karen and Amy. Morgan Stanley will reduce about 2% of its global workforce as the bank braces for a possible recession. Sources tell Bloomberg roughly 1,600 jobs are on the chopping block. CEO James Gorman hinted layoffs were coming when the bank reported earnings in October, saying, They learned some things during COVID about operating more efficiently, and that's something the management team is working on for the rest of the year. Morgan's move comes as Goldman Sachs and Bank of America warn they'll slow hiring as well. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Steve. And Goldman Sachs is out with a downbeat view on the economy. We spoke with CEO David Solomon at Goldman's Financial Services Conference. He says smaller bonuses and job cuts shouldn't come as a surprise. We always look at the environment and we always size the firm to the environment. If the environment gets tougher, we will obviously make decisions to size the footprint of the firm appropriately. That can come from slowing down hiring, which we've already done considerably in the second half of the year. Um, And that might also come from pruning in certain areas. Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon spoke with Bloomberg's Shanali Basak. Another Wall Street CEO is also weighing in on the economy, Amy, and its impact on his firm. Bank of America's Brian Moynihan says there are signs of consumer weakness with spending starting to slow. The evidence shows that, yes, the economy is being slowed by the higher interest rates, by the fact that uh, the the inflation is eating up more uh, of a person's savings. They need to get that under control. That means higher interest rates. But on the other hand, you're seeing them slow down, which ought to put less price pressure. That means they could slow down. So that's going to be the debate. I think we need a few more months to see whether it's just a trend or not. And Bank of America's Brian Moynihan says consumer spending at the bank rose 5% in November. That's a lower rate than prior periods. In Asia, China continues to relax COVID restrictions. Today brought another round of announcements from the government. Bloomberg's John Liu reports from Beijing. New measures were announced today that allow people infected with COVID to quarantine at home as a nationwide policy. Authorities are also trying to rein in unnecessary PCR testing by scrapping the need to show a negative test result for most public venues. Those moves are the latest sign that the government is trying to ease its zero-tolerance COVID strategy amid growing public discontent. The actions also suggest that China's most senior leaders are willing to tolerate higher case numbers to avoid more social and economic turmoil. In Beijing, I'm John Liu, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thanks. Well, back here in the U.S., we have an ominous forecast from an iPhone supplier in Asia. Murata Manufacturing expects Apple to further reduce iPhone 14 production plans. It cites weak demand. The Japanese company is a linchpin of the smartphone industry, providing components to Apple, Samsung, and many others. Futures this morning are moving lower. S&P futures down six points, down about two-tenths of a percent. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
Thank you, Karen. 507 on Wall Street. 57 degrees now in New York with scattered showers for the day. Mild temperatures, too. We're going up to 60 today. Let's bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. New York Mayor Eric Adams will fill two top appointed posts at City Hall with two women from inside his administration. Camille Varlock, senior advisor to the mayor, will become chief of staff, replacing retiring Frank Carone. Sheena Wright, now deputy mayor of strategic initiatives, will become first deputy mayor, replacing retiring Lorraine Grillo. Mayor Adams says they will have big shoes to fill. Sheena and Camille are continuing the tradition of strong women in this administration, especially strong women of color. The appointments will be effective January. Former Broome County, New York District Attorney Stephen Cornwell has pleaded guilty to grand larceny. Cornwell admitted to stealing felony case records of his prior criminal conviction. Current DA Michael Kornchak says that Cornwell stole case files and county records that documented his conviction, including for DUI and assault on an officer. He also went into the computer files of the district attorney and altered his name and deleted his date of birth from that prior criminal conviction. D.A. Kornchak says that Cornwell was sentenced to a three-year conditional discharge and fined $5,000. Today, America marks 81 years after the Pearl Harbor attack. The number of World War II survivors from that day are dwindling. 101-year-old Lou Conter in Grass Valley, California, regrets due to his age that he will not be able to attend today's Remembrance events. He was a sailor on board the ill-fated USS Arizona. I'd like to be there because uh, there's only two of us Still living from the Arizona. More than 2,400 Americans were killed in the surprise Japanese attack. An iconic New York City comedy club is closing up shop. Caroline's on Broadway will close its doors after 40 years. The final day will be on December 31st. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. 609 on Wall Street. Time now for the Sports Report brought to you by Tristad Audi. Here's John Stashauer. Okay, Amy. Jacob DeGrom was not the Mets' only free agent pitcher. Taiwan Walker, all-star in 2021, then had a solid season going 12-5, and 3.5 ERA. Walker not only leaving the Mets, he's joining the Phillies who continue to spend, having already added Trey Turner. Jamison Tyone leaving the Yankees, heading to the Cubs. Tyone came to New York with a history of injuries and illness, but he was dependable this past season, making 32 starts, led the team in wins with 14. The Cubs also signed Cody Bellinger, the 2019 NL MVP, with the Dodgers. Yanks have signed free agent reliever Tommy Canely. He was with them before. As for Aaron Judge, Yankee general manager Brian Cashman was on the Yes Network. Certainly hopeful, uh, but we're not driving this bus. Obviously, Mr. Judge is, and um, you know he put himself in a great position. Clearly, with a historic season, and he's had an amazing career thus far. And you know, one that if he continues, take him all the way to Cooperstown. But we want every stop along the way between now and and hopefully that final destination to be here in the Bronx for us. Cashman admits he has to wait for, as he says, the Judge Domino to fall. Before he knows what to do next. On the ice, Devils 3-0 shut out of Chicago. Defenseman Dougie Hamilton in on all three goals. Islanders lost at home to St. Louis 7-4. Locals met college hoops at Rose Hill. Fordham beat Wagner and the Rams are 9-1. Doubleheader at the Garden. Duke beat Iowa after Illinois beat second-ranked Texas 
in overtime. Two days off at the World Cup after Portugal routed Switzerland 6-1 and Morocco upset Spain on penalty kicks. Quarterfinals Friday and Saturday in Qatar. 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo may not miss the rest of the season. Does not need surgery on his injured foot. If he does return, it would not be until the playoffs. Another QB, Baker Mayfield, released by Carolina, claimed on waivers by the L.A. Rams. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Amy? All right, thank you, John. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Futures are lower. S&P down 7 points. Dow futures down 23 points. NASDAQ futures down 32 points. Ten-year Treasury unchanged at 3.53%. The yield, the two-year yield at 4.34%. And NYMEX crude now trading at $73 a barrel. Good Wednesday morning at 612 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Democrats have won outright control of the Senate after a victory in the runoff election in Georgia last night. We're joined now by Wendy Schiller, director of the Taubman Center for American Politics and Policy at Brown University. Thank you so much, Professor Schiller, for joining us this morning. We got those results much sooner than expected. A lot of folks were saying it could take days before we really knew who won this runoff. But no, it only took hours. What's that tell you? Well, uh, good morning, Amy. I mean, what's interesting is that there's sort of a, a big debate about early voting, mail-in voting, and then day of voting. Uh, Republicans tend to vote in bigger numbers on day of voting, although in some states uh, in, the, in the midterms they get out in person in the early voting stages as well. But Democrats racked up really big numbers in early voting in, what, in multiple forms. And that means the Republicans have to play catch-up on Election Day and get all these votes out the door and make sure all these people who said they were going to vote get out the door. And without uh, a governor's race at the top of the ticket and a relatively popular governor in Brian Kemp, you know, I think that hurt Herschel Walker, and particularly in some of these uh, very red, very rural Republican counties, he just missed the mark. He lost by a couple of percentage points um, in terms of uh, his turnout, and he didn't get enough of a victory in some of those Republican areas to counter Warnock's tremendous uh, advantage in very highly populous Democratic counties. Still a divided government, though. Republicans have the majority in the House. It's slim, but they have it. Democrats also have a majority in the Senate, also very slim. So do you expect more gridlock? Can they find a way to cooperate? Well, there are two big, huge looming questions, I think. One immediate is whether the government shuts down, which won't happen. The Democrats, you know, are running things in a lame duck session. They still have control of the chamber. They'll find a way to pass uh, a funding bill. How long that funding bill goes for, that's the question mark. Then there's the debt ceiling. And and what we don't want, even though sort of I think people who are on the Democratic side are watching with glee as, as uh, McCarthy is challenged for the speakership and there's such a slim majority for the Republicans, they seem a little bit in disarray, that's a problem for getting the debt ceiling passed. I mean, you need functional government. You can have polarization, but you need to get some of these things actually in, you know, passed. So I think that's the looming question is, will there be enough functionality on the Republican side to pass a, a debt limit extension? And so that, that's a big question mark. And whether the Democrats try to do it now because they're worried, that may be good for policy, but it will take the pressure off the Republicans once they assume control in the House uh, after January 3rd. Now, let me ask you about something in the Senate, because we have seen in the past Senators Manchin and Cinema not really towing the Democratic Party line all of the time, sometimes throwing up those speed bumps and keeping some pieces of legislation from passing as long as they were able to get their their uh, mandates in. So my question for you is, does this 
little bit of breathing room effectively buffer that impact, that effect? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, 51, you know, anything can happen anytime in terms of the Democratic Party, in terms of the health of Democratic senators. We've seen this most recently, um, uh, you know, where people become ill and then they're, they're not there for votes mm-hmm. and then you're stuck having uh, Kamala Harris. You get a little breathing room. But I think also politically, you can't afford to alienate Arizona if you're the Democratic Party. Uh, and West Virginia doesn't vote Democrat in the presidential race. But Manchin is still a kind of barometer for the Democratic Party. Uh, and it's, it's managed to push the party a little bit back to the center, which we see in, in 2022 probably protected the Democrats at, on the Senate side in particular more than they would have been if they didn't have these particular senators pushing them back to the middle. I also wonder if this somehow improves Democrats' chances in 2024. Hear me out. It just seems as though it it may be not a blue wave, not a red wave, but a pendulum swinging away from that Trump effect that we've been seeing for the past few years? Amy, I think it all depends. I, I've been trying to find, uh, do my homework on the Republican nominating convention rules because, you know, the Democrats are now talking about how they're going to structure their primaries. You know, are they going to keep proportional representation, which kept Trump alive in the first part of the of the Republican nominating process? They split it up uh, between winner-take-all and proportional representation. These things are going to matter. People don't pay much attention, but it certainly matters. You know, a, a more fringy candidate can stay alive under that circumstance. Winner-take-all, they can't really stay alive as easily. Are you going to look for Glenn Youngkin, Ron DeSantis, Brian Kemp, for example, to lead the party going forward, or or will the wing of the party that loves Trump still control that? And I think clearly in 2022, Trump was an electoral liability. So the Republicans have to decide that. But Democrats have other pressures. Voting Rights Act, for example, John Lewis Voting Rights Act, couldn't get it done because of the filibuster. Will they get rid of the filibuster, legislative filibuster, meaning will they lower the threshold to 51 votes to get something passed uh, that's legislation? They've already done it for executive nominations, judicial nominations. Will they do it for legislation, for particularly since we saw some states adopt more voter suppression laws, although turnout was very high in Georgia. Warnock made a point of that in his acceptance speech. Very interesting. Don't ignore voter suppression just because we all turned out to vote and overcame those obstacles. That's going to be a big pressure point, particularly going into 24 for the Democrats. And how are they going to handle that now that they have a little more breathing room, like you say, and their marquee race? Um, Warnock won, and he won, in the end, pretty big. All right, Wendy Schiller, director of the Taubman Center for American Politics and Policy at Brown University. We're going to have more on this with Wendy Schiller later this hour. S&P futures down 9, Dow futures down 38, NASDAQ futures down 39. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. For 50 years, philanthropists at all levels have turned to JCF's donor-advised funds to streamline their charitable giving. Visit jcfny.org. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and this update brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. For 50 years, JCF's donor-advised funds have been helping families create charitable legacies. Start now and open a JCF fund before year-end. Visit jcfny.org. U.S. stock index futures are dropping this morning as weak Chinese trade data adds to concerns about the health of the global economy. We check the markets all day here on Bloomberg Radio. S&P futures down about nine points or two-tenths of a percent. Dow futures down 41 or a 
tenth of a percent. Nasdaq futures down three tenths of a percent, or about thirty-seven points. The DAX in Germany is down a third of a percent. Ten-year Treasury little change, yield three point five three percent, and the yield on the two-year four point three four percent. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, Karen, thank you very much. Senator Raphael Warnock defeated Republican challenger Herschel Walker in their runoff for Georgia Senate seat, giving Democrats a 51-49 edge in the upper chamber. Warnock beat Walker with 51.4% of the vote. More on the Georgia race in a minute. In a sharp reversal, China has announced a series of measures rolling back some of its most draconian anti-COVID-19 restrictions. The National Health Commission announced that COVID-19 tests and a clean bill of health displayed on a smartphone app would no longer be required. In the NHL, the Devils won, the Islanders lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It is 623 on Wall Street. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock, as Michael was just telling you, won re-election in Georgia, defeating challenger Republican Herschel Walker. We want to continue our conversation about this with Wendy Schiller, the director of the Taubman Center for American Politics and Policy at Brown University. Now, Wendy, we were talking earlier this morning with Terry Haynes of Pangea Policy, and he believes this could mean the end of Donald Trump in the GOP. The task for the Republican Party over the past two years has been the, you know, how do we get, can we, how do we get past this particular speed bump? And, you know, that process, I think, has greatly accelerated since the, uh, uh, since the midterms. But between the midterm results, uh, Trump's tone deaf announcement and, uh, and then the whole business about suspending the Constitution, which is, uh, I really think is beyond the pale for, uh, for a great number of the party leaders. Uh, they're going to look now to try to make sure he's fenced out. Now, does he have a point there? Well, I mean, I, you know, the, the question is, do you get, uh, do you sort of uh, allow Donald Trump or push Donald Trump to fade into the background? But what about Trumpism? You know, that the issues that Trump raised and, and won on in 2016 have not gone away. And we've seen a consistent loyalty to Republicans among uh, people who are less than college educated, let's say, um, or high school educated, and uh, consider themselves, quote unquote, working class. That used to be fodder for the Democrats. Now it's been consistently uh, fodder for the Republicans, and they're turning out. And so that's still a very big issue for the Democrat Party if they want to be competitive in places like Pennsylvania and like Arizona and like Georgia. They're not always going to get these unique circumstances with some pretty bad candidates on the Republican side. So I think it would be a mistake for the Democrats to say, well, Trump is gone, so then Trumpism is gone. I don't think that's true. As I mentioned, there are some other candidates that are, you know, they're threading the needle with the Republican Party, and they seem to be better at it right now, and they happen to be governors, which, of course, is a good position to be in in the Republican Party. So that's the big issue. You still have Marjorie Taylor Greene. You still have Matt Gates, You still have Louis Gohmert. You have a lot of people in the House that really echo those same exact messages that Trump does. And they're going to see an opportunity to move up in visibility if there's a vacuum left by the departure of Trump. To your point, it was a red wave in Georgia. You're absolutely right. Every Republican candidate in the state of Georgia won their race except for that Senate race. So it sounds like maybe a repudiation of Trump himself, but not Trumpism, as you were just saying. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a question of rule of law. 
Right. I mean, what Brad Raffensperger and Brian Kemp stuck to their guns, uh, obviously under enormous pressure uh, from lots of sources to sort of change, literally change the outcome, not count votes, not certify in 2020. And they stuck to it and they won big. And that tells you that within the Republican Party, there are people who want the Republican policy platform and they want rule of law. Same thing with Arizona. Uh, there, you know, Republicans lost, you know, some of those races. Attorney General still in debate. But nonetheless, it's the same messaging, which is to say, you know, we want to win. We think our policies are right, but we want to win uh, a stable electoral system where we accept the outcome of elections. And I think if the Republicans cleared that, which I think they're starting to do across the country, then they go back to issue messaging. And so Democrats can't rely on, you know, the rejection of people who are really far off the ranch to keep winning elections uh, with or without Trump. Wendy Schiller, director of the Talman Center for American Politics and Policy at Brown University. Always great to get your insight. Thank you so much for bringing us up to speed on this. And we're going to continue to follow this developing story. It's not really developing. It was breaking story out of Georgia that Raphael Warnock won re-election in that Georgia runoff. Now, coming up next, we'll bring you this morning's top stories, your local headlines, and a check on markets. And we're going to check the markets now on S&P futures, seven points lower. Dow futures down 35. NASDAQ futures down at 34. Now let's take a look at today's Bloomberg weather forecast. Clouds and scattered showers for today. Temperatures on the mild side, 55 to 60. Tonight we start to dry things out. It'll become partly cloudy. Overnight lows on mild, 45 to 50. Even the suburbs will probably be around 40. Tomorrow, mixture of clouds and sunshine. It's 50 to 55. Partly to mostly cloudy weather developing on Friday with highs close to 45. I'm Rob Carolyn with your three-day forecast on Bloomberg 1130. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Coming up on 630 on Wall Street, good Wednesday morning. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It's time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers Bond Marketplace. Access their vast selection of over one million global fixed income securities with no markups or built-in spreads and low transparent commissions. Learn more at ibkr.com slash bonds. Up first, incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock defeated Republican challenger Herschel Walker 51.4% to 48.6% in the Georgia runoff race, securing outright control of the Senate for Democrats. If we have value, we ought to have a voice. And the way to have a voice is to have a vote to determine the direction of your country and your destiny within it. Herschel Walker conceded to Warnock, encouraging supporters to stay engaged in the political process. We can't blame no one because uh, I want you to continue to believe in this country, believe in our elected official, and most of all, stay together. The win for Warnock means Democrats have a 51 to 49 Senate majority. With Warnock's decisive victory, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger defended the integrity of the race. Now, you may remember Raffensperger was pressured by former President Trump after the 2020 election. People know, not just in Georgia, but all over the country know that in Georgia we have honest, fair elections. They're secure and they run smooth. Secretary of State Raffensperger spoke with our Washington correspondent, Joe Matthew, who's on the ground in Georgia. You can catch his show Sound On weeknights at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. 
Well, it was not a great day for Donald Trump, Amy. The former president backed Herschel Walker, and two of his companies were found guilty of engaging in tax fraud for over a decade. Trump himself was not charged. Well, Karen, let's turn now to Wall Street, where news of job cuts signal concerns for the broader economy. Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joins us live with the latest. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Amy and Karen. It's actually a morning of uncertainty at Morgan Stanley, where roughly 1,600 employees are expected to head to an early exit. Sources tell Bloomberg the bank is cutting about 2% of its global workforce. Morgan added more than 20,000 jobs since the pandemic began. But with COVID in the rearview mirror for many, CEO James Corman says it's time to apply some of the lessons learned during the pandemic about operating more efficiently. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thanks. Well, Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan is also weighing in on the economy, saying there's signs of consumer weakness. The economy is being slowed by the higher interest rates, by the fact that the inflation is eating up more of a person's savings. They need to get that under control. That means higher interest rates. But on the other hand, you're seeing them slow down, which ought to put less price pressure. And Bank of America's Brian Moynihan says it's unclear at this point if slowed consumer spending will become a broader trend. And that's the five things that you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Futures this morning are lower with S&P futures down about 11 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's 631 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr now with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. Funeral services will be held today for the Yonkers police sergeant who was killed in a car crash last week. Mourners will gather for Frank Galdino at Sacred Heart Church in Yonkers. The 53-year-old was killed when police say a teenage driver with just a learner's permit lost control of his BMW and slammed head-on into Galdino's police car on Tuckahoe Road. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is filling the top two appointed posts at City Hall. After recent retirements, Mayor Adams says Camille Varlak, a senior advisor to the mayor, will become chief of staff. And Sheena Wright, now deputy mayor of strategic initiatives, will become first deputy mayor. These are huge shoes to fill. But these two ladies in their red bottoms, they're going to bring their own pair. They're going to bring their own uniqueness, their own flair to these jobs. The appointments will be effective in January. A gay bar that was the site of the 1966 SIP-In has been given landmark status by New York City. Back then, a demonstration was held at Julius near the historic Stonewall Inn. They were protesting the closure of other bars in the city for serving people who identified as LGBTQ. Andrew Berman is the executive director of Village Preservation. Three years before Stonewall, a couple of brave individuals got together and said, we're going to challenge the rules that basically make gay bars illegal. We're going to sit at a bar, we're going to say we are gay, and we demand to be served a drink. Herman says it resulted in a lawsuit that changed the rules and helped set in motion the Stonewall riots. After 40 years, the comedy club Caroline's on Broadway will close its doors. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists, analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. 34 on Wall Street. Time now for the Sports Report, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Amy, it'll be a different Mets rotation in 2023. Justin Verlander in, Jacob DeGrom. Now, Taiwan Walker, both out. Walker just signed with the Phillies. 
Still not known about Chris Bassett. He's also a free agent at the winter meetings in San Diego. Mets manager Buck Showalter asked for the first time his reaction to DeGrom's departure to Texas. He's moving to a good situation and, you know, contrary to what a lot of people try to, you know, it wasn't something that he had preordained, you know, something that kind of played itself out and you know, it's one of those offers he couldn't afford to pass up and, you know, we wish him well. Yankees with a free agent signing, bringing back reliever Tommy Canely. He's had some injuries. Jamison Tyone, who led the Yankees in wins last season, just signed with the Cubs. Four years, $68 million. The Cubs also signed Cody Ballinger, who was the 2019 MVP, while with the Dodgers. Knicks and Nets, both home tonight. Knicks against Atlanta. Nets take on Charlotte. The Rangers are in Vegas. Last night, Devils shut out Chicago 3-0. The Devils have 43 points. That's the most in the NHL. Islanders cut a 5-1 deficit to 5-4, but they lost at home to St. Louis 7-4. They've dropped three of the last four. Tennessee Titans are in first place, yet they just fired their general manager, John Robinson. Baker Mayfield, released by Carolina, claimed on waivers by the Rams. Odell Beckham has visited the Giants and Cowboys, still not known where he's going to sign. There are now reports that Beckham still hasn't recovered from the torn ACL he suffered in the Super Bowl while playing for the Rams, and he may not be able to play until the playoffs. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports Team. All right. Thank you, John. Futures are lower this morning. S&P futures down nine points. Dow futures down 39. NASDAQ futures down 39 points. Ten-year Treasury unchanged at 3.53%. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-Audi, Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today. Or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. It's 6.35 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Jeff Bellinger, and on WTVN in Columbus, I'll be talking about how people intend to be more generous with their holiday tipping this year. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Radio in London. We've been reporting on shares in the pharmaceutical giants GSK and Sanofi soaring after a U.S. judge rejected evidence in a case over the heartburn drug Zantan. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KTRH in Houston. Millions of millennials moved in with their parents this year on soaring rents. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting four dealers have agreed to no-haggle EV sales. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 5.30 or 6.37 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Progress can be painfully slow in the American constitutional system. That makes it all the more important to recognize when the process works as it should. Last week, the Senate passed the Bipartisan Respect for Marriage Act, which enshrines federal protection for same-sex marriages. Should the pill pass the House as expected, President Joe Biden has said he'll promptly sign it. This stands as a landmark. As recently as 1996, the U.S. was solidly opposed to gay marriage. Today... Thanks in large part to decades of hard work and political pressure by advocates for marriage equality, lawmakers in both parties have fashioned a bargain reflecting a new national consensus. That's how the democratic process is supposed to work. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. 
Futures are lower this morning. S&P futures down nine points. Dow futures down 36. NASDAQ futures down 39 points. Ten-year Treasury unchanged. The yield now at 3.53%. The two-year yield at 4.34%. NYMEX crude one one-tenth percent higher now, 14 cents higher, trading at $74.39 a barrel. Bloomberg opinion oh, just ahead. We can talk with Bloomberg senior Washington correspondent Joe Matthew. He's on the ground in Georgia where Democrats have just won their Senate seat. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by Anshin Accountants and Advisors, the right fit tax and accounting firm that you need to succeed. Visit us at Anshin.com slash VIP to learn more. That's Anshin.com slash VIP. Futures are lower this morning. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. Modest losses in the U.S. futures right now. Dow futures down 34 points. S&P's drop 8 and NASDAQ futures are lower. By 39. The U.S. 10 yield at 3.53%. Gold is up three. Oil is little changed. And Bitcoin is trading lower by 1%. Hong Kong dropped 3% overnight. Note that China eased its COVID zero strategy. While European markets are also in the red right now. Back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, non-farm productivity. And after the bell last night, Toll Brothers forecast beat estimates. In other news, Apple may cut iPhone 14 production further because of weak demand. That's according to a key supplier, Murata Manufacturing. Also, Lowe's is buying back $15 billion. Wrapping things up, Morgan Stanley cut Airbnb to underweight. Live from the first of breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg-type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Democrat Raphael Warnock defeated Republican challenger Herschel Walker in Georgia's Senate race. His victory will increase the Democrats' edge in the chamber, 51-49. Warnock beat Walker with 51.4% of the vote more on the Georgia race in a minute. Two of Donald Trump's companies were found guilty of engaging in a scheme that allowed executives such as former chief financial officer Alan Weisselberg to evade taxes on company-paid perks and included free apartments and luxury cars for more than a decade. In the NHL, the Devils won, the Islanders lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Karen? All right, Michael Barr, thank you. It is 642 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. It is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT offers New Jersey's first undergraduate degree in fintech. Tech-driven, finance-focused. What will you make at NJIT? Learn more at njit.edu slash fintech. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. China is retreating from the wide-ranging COVID-0 policy that is blamed for damaging the economy. Beijing will now allow some people to quarantine at home instead of in centralized camps. It's also scrapping virus tests to enter public venues. COVID-0 pushed down consumer and business confidence. 
A big transaction in the video game industry. Microsoft and Nintendo have agreed to a 10-year deal to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo gaming platforms. The agreement is contingent on Microsoft closing its $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard, the publisher of the popular shooter game. And Bloomberg News has learned Apple has scaled back ambitious self-driving plans for its future electric vehicle. Sources say it's postponed the car's targeted launch date by about a year to 2026. The car project, dubbed Titan inside the company, has been in limbo for the past several months as Apple executives grapple with the reality that its vision for a fully autonomous vehicle without a steering wheel or pedals is not feasible with current technology. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Amy. All right. Thank you, Karen. It is 644 on Wall Street, and we continue to follow the news out of Georgia and its impact on Capitol Hill. Democrats gaining outright control of the Senate. Raphael Warnock won the runoff election in Georgia, defeating Trump-backed Republican challenger Herschel Walker, 51.4 percent to 48.6 percent. Now, joining us now, Bloomberg senior Washington correspondent and host of Sound On, Joe Matthew. And, Joe, just want to make it clear, you're there. You are on the ground in Georgia I'm curious, what did you see, particularly on Election Day and and reaction to the results overnight, particularly as far as voter engagement, turnout, division? What are you seeing? Well, that's that's a big question. Uh, I'll tell you that the the lines died out yesterday morning and it looked like a very quiet afternoon. And it really reinforced the idea that the early vote was a huge part of this, that Raphael Warnock had mobilized his voters to get out over the course of two weeks to set a record in early voting that really made yesterday apparently a little bit less uh, of an important day for him, a very important one, though, for Herschel Walker. Uh, at the same time, you know, we say that you look at the numbers this morning here. Uh, Raphael Warnock beat Herschel Walker by 37,000 votes in the general. He beat him by almost 100,000 votes this time around, 97,000. And it does uh, make you think about what took place over the last four weeks in terms of the narrative around this campaign and what it would have looked like if there was a different candidate on the Republican side, and more specifically, one not picked by Donald Trump. It's still going to be a divided government. I'm just looking ahead to when everybody is sworn in and seated, Republicans with the majority in the House. Democrats now have a majority in the Senate. And it's easy to say that we're that just means gridlock. They may find a way to cooperate. But is there a, a path forward that they are able to get more things done than just the basics? I mean, can they can hardly agree on a budget now. So I'm wondering I if this that if there's change any, a lot. It's, yeah. The thing is, the Senate can do a lot on its own, Amy. We need to remember, this is the body that handles nominations. This is this is the body that approves judges, that confirms nominees for the administration's cabinet. That extra seat was really something that Democrats were taking seriously here. They don't have to have a power-sharing agreement now with Republicans. They control the committees, and they can clear judges and nominees on their own with a little bit of breathing room. With regard to budgeting, though, and other legislative issues, think of how many times last year we talked about Joe Manchin, mm-hmm. almost as often Kirsten Cinema. That's going to be a little bit less the case now. Joe Manchin is not exactly going to be the kingmaker that he once was with an extra seat. And uh, knowing that Kevin McCarthy, likely to be Speaker, will have just as thin a margin as Nancy Pelosi had in the House, you could... Follow a path of gridlock, but you could also see these lawmakers being forced to work together, and they're going to have an opportunity to do that first on defense spending. Wait, now a sidebar. You, do, is it a fait accompli that he is going to be House Speaker? 
That's a great question. He doesn't have the votes now. And a lot of folks say, look, maybe Steve Scalise could make a, a an interesting move here, come from behind. But the fact is, you got to get to 218. And at the moment, he's got at least five Republicans on the record who say no. I'm not aware of five Democrats who are going to say yes. So this could go to multiple rounds. The, the thing about this is, though, other than the, the aforementioned Steve Scalise, who comes up in these conversations, there isn't really a viable candidate running against him. Congressman Andy Biggs got 30 votes inside the Republican caucus when this came uh, to a head a couple of weeks ago. But when it goes to the floor, it's unlikely that someone else will be able to stand up against Kevin McCarthy. And eventually, with some pain involved, he will likely get that gavel. Now, I want to change uh, the path just for one minute. We had talked about how this is another defeat for a Trump-supported candidate on the national Mm. stage. It was not a good day for Donald Trump. Two of his companies were found guilty of criminal tax fraud. Not him, just the companies. But what does that mean for the man who was once president and who wants to be president again? Yeah, I have to admit, I don't know that the verdict yesterday uh, was as damaging as the outcome of this race. Republicans are angry, and they are pointing fingers at Donald Trump. Remember, Ken Griffin called him a three-time loser on Election Day. I guess this would make him a four-time loser. Mm. He hand-selected Herschel Walker, right? He he endorsed him. He put him on the map. This could have been any number of candidates in a a Republican-leaning state like Georgia. To have to go through this is is something that Republicans are definitely dealing with this morning. And we're hearing – we heard Terry Haynes say it earlier here on Bloomberg Radio – it's 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 a reckoning moment for Republicans, and many of them say it's time to move on. Let's see what happens at the beginning of next year when Joe Biden likely announces his run for reelection, and we actually have a general underway. I'll be curious to see how people feel about Donald Trump at that point. And just thirty seconds here. Is there anything specific that you're going to be watching for on Capitol Hill? That's that's your home base. So what are you going to be watching for? Well, look, we've got to fund the government. You know, circle December 16 on your calendar. They still don't have a plan on this. Whether we kick it into the new year in a short-term CR or come to grips with some sort of omnibus budget, you already said it though, Amy. There's not a lot of agreement on Capitol Hill when it comes to spending, and that may not be any different this time. So we could be setting ourselves up for a fiscal cliff type of scenario next year. All right. Thank you so much, Joe, for taking the time with us this morning. Joe, uh, Bloomberg Senior Washington Correspondent Joe Matthew talking to us from Georgia, host of Bloomberg's Sound On, which you can hear weekday afternoons at 5 here on Bloomberg Radio. And we are looking at futures now, S&P futures down 16, Dow futures down 80, NASDAQ futures down 78 points. Up next on Bloomberg Daybreak, stocks on the move in pre-market action. A check of the names that are making news in equities. That's straight ahead. Much more still to come on this Wednesday morning. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Karen Moscow, and this update is brought to you by the Donors Fund, a modern, innovative donor-advised fund for everyone. Open a free account in minutes with no minimums, no transaction fees, or hidden costs. Visit thedonorsfund.org today and get your 2022 tax deduction. Futures, again, lower this morning. S&P futures down about 15 points, down a third of a percent. Dow futures down 76 or a quarter percent, and NASDAQ futures are down more than six-tenths of a percent. 
down 68 points. The DAX in Germany is down four-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down three-thirty seconds, yet 3.54 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 4.35 percent. Nymex crude oil is up tenth of a percent, or nine cents, at $74.34 a barrel. Comex gold is little changed at 17.83.60 an ounce. The euro, 1.0493 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2158. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Amy. All right. Thank you, Karen. It's 6.56 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks and some of the names that are moving in the pre-market. For that, we are joined by Bloomberg's Kaylee Lines. Good morning, Kaylee. Good morning, Amy. There is a monster mover in pre-market this morning, and that would be MongoDB. This is a database software company reported after the bell yesterday. And after those results, the stock is up a whopping 28% in early hours. There's kind of two parts to this. The first was that the third quarter was solid revenue topped estimates, and the company actually reported a profit of 23 cents per share. Analysts were expecting a loss of 17 cents, so that was big. But they also raised their four-year full-year forecast. And one analyst over at RBC actually pointing out that a beaten raise is kind of a rare occurrence in this macro environment. And others were really positive about the sequential rebound in the enterprise advance segment. Now, I would point out. This stock has had a very rough year to this point, down 72% in 2022 through yesterday. So that may be why we're seeing such an outsized move this morning, again, up about 28%, trading just shy of $185 a share. One downside mover, though, to keep an eye on is Airbnb. And this is actually after an analyst downgrade. Over at Morgan Stanley, they cut the stock to underweight from equal weight and the price target from $110 down to $80. The shares this morning trading at $89.60, but that's down nearly 4% in pre-market. Now, Morgan Stanley's reason for this is basically growth concerns. They say that data on supply and occupancy speaks to slowing listings growth, occupancy headwinds, and lower room night demand. So all of that together weighing on the stock this morning. Kaylee, let's shift gears. What's going on with China ADRs? Why are they down? It's so interesting. We got this mixed news flow out of China overnight. On the one hand, you have a pretty decisive move away from COVID zero policy with the easing of a range of restrictions, including getting rid of the requirement for infected people to quarantine in centralized camps. But that may be leading to concern about a spike in cases. Plus, we got weak trade data out of China, both exports and imports contracting at a steeper pace in November. So that weighed on stocks in Asia, and that is translating right through to the ADRs of some of those large Chinese companies who are listed here in the U.S., one example being JD.com. It right now in pre-market is down 6%. Alibaba, for its part, down about 4.5%. But I would just remind our listeners that JD is up 60% since the start of November. Alibaba is up about 44% over that time. So it could be that all of that good news on reopening that had led the stocks to rally over the last, say, six weeks or so means all that good news was already priced in. And now maybe people are taking a little bit of profit. Anything else you're watching, Kaylee? I'd keep an eye on big tech today. They're a little bit weaker in pre-market trading, even though yields aren't substantially higher. So that really speaks to a bit of a risk-off tone overall. You have the likes of Tesla and Apple, other big heavyweights in the market, uh, down pretty hard in pre-market trading. Apple right now down about 1.2%. All right, Bloomberg's Kaylee Lines. Thank you for joining us this morning, Kaylee. Looking at stocks as a whole, ahead uh, of the open S&P futures down 15, Dow futures down 77, NASDAQ futures down 70, 10-year Treasury down 3.30 seconds, the yield at 3.54%. The two-year yield at 4.35%. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Amy Morris alongside Karen Moscow, 659 on Wall Street. Stay with us. Bloomberg Surveillance with Tom Keene, Jonathan Farrow, and Lisa Abramowitz. Live from the financial capital of the world, broadcasting across the globe, this is WBBR New York, Bloomberg 1130. 
inflation is too high. And I will contend that this current inflation. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.